Welcome to Animal Health Insights. This podcast was created to connect producers, veterinarians, and animal owners, and to introduce you to the people and the organizations who are working to support animal health in Canada. Our podcast is developed with the support of the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System. Through these podcasts, CAS aims to engage veterinarians, producers, and the public in discussions around animal health and infectious disease as part of work to strengthen animal health surveillance through knowledge, awareness, and data sharing. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Todd. I'm also a veterinarian. Let's get started. In the past months, many Canadians have experienced some diagnostic testing for respiratory disease based on their symptoms and, of course, the current concern about COVID-19 infections. In humans, a sample for COVID-19 testing is collected with a nasopharyngeal swab, which is then sent off to a diagnostic laboratory for testing. Now, you can imagine that trying to convince an animal that a swab deep into their nostril is in their best interests can be pretty difficult. So I just feel like we should comment here that you should take a moment to appreciate your veterinarian skills and the power of good animal restraint techniques, and in some cases, sedation medications, because these all can help us to facilitate these diagnostic tests. Thankfully, there's a variety of methods that are used in veterinary medicine to diagnose respiratory disease, and a well-planned diagnostic protocol can be extremely beneficial to overall herd and animal health. To help us understand more about respiratory disease diagnosis and management in beef cattle, we're going to speak today with Dr. Cheryl Waldner. She's the NSERC BCRC Research Chair and Lead Investigator for Genomic Assets in Livestock at the University of Saskatchewan. Dr. Waldner, along with Dr. John Campbell, is also a principal investigator for the Canadian Cow-Calf Surveillance Network. This is a disease surveillance group that helps research and monitor disease trends and patterns in beef cow-calf herds. Today, I'll speak with Dr. Waldner to learn about how she is working to institute cutting-edge diagnostic techniques into the management of respiratory disease in feedlot cattle. Dr. Waldner, welcome to Animal Health Insights. Thank you for having me. To begin, could you give us a brief summary, for those who might not know, of the cow-calf farming system, and then the transition for cattle from that into the feedlot? Cow-calf herds form the heart of the beef industry. They are where cows have and raise their baby calves. These operations vary in size from 20 to 30 animals up to large ranches with several thousand mother cows. Most beef cows or beef calves, are born outside in the spring. Calves spend their first summer grazing on pasture with their mothers. In the fall, the calves are weaned when they're typically about six to eight months of age. Some of these calves will be kept at the farm or ranch where they're born, but many of them will be sold and moved to backgrounding operations or to feedlots. So in this production system, when are animals most susceptible to developing respiratory disease? When we take calves from different herds and mix them together, either through the sale process or when they're introduced to large feedlot pens, they are exposed to new bacteria and new viruses, as well as the calves being stressed because they're mixing with new animals and they're getting used to a new facility where they have to find the feed and the water. This type of exposure to infectious agents and stress is very similar to what we see when kids 
go back to school in the fall. They move from interacting with just their family and close friends to being introduced to a whole new set of children and a new environment. So what strategies are currently used to help protect beef cattle from respiratory infections? Obviously, cattle are herd animals, and so they prefer to remain in groups. But how would we achieve social distancing for beef cattle? As I noted earlier, respiratory disease is a lot more common and a bigger concern in calves that have been recently moved to feedlots. It's much less of a problem in cows and calves that are spread out on pasture and grazing for much of the day. While these calves that have just been moved to feedlots are typically in closer contact to each other, um, there are, and therefore more at risk, there are other strategies we can use to control infection. For example, we can minimize the risk of respiratory disease in cattle in very similar ways to how we control disease in people. We use vaccines, we minimize stress on the immune system by very careful handling, and we ensure good nutrition. We also do things like try to cohort the animals or minimize the mixing between different herds or management groups. So for example, once a calf is assigned to a pen in a feedlot, it will stay with that group throughout its time in that particular facility and not be mixed with animals from other pens. So what can you tell us then about the types of respiratory diseases that would affect feedlot calves most frequently? Respiratory disease in cattle is caused by a number of different types of bacteria and viruses. Unlike common respiratory viruses in people that cause colds or relatively, usually relatively minor upper respiratory diseases, cattle are particular, and particularly calves when they first arrive at the feedlot, are much, much more susceptible to bronchitis and lung infections or severe pneumonias. These severe pneumonias, some of which are life-threatening, are typically caused by bacteria or sometimes by viral infections that damage the lung and make it more susceptible to these bacterial infections. Because this very severe respiratory disease is caused by bacteria, we need antibiotics to treat and control these serious infections and to help protect the health and welfare of these animals. So what options exist right now for veterinarians when they're trying to diagnose a herd of feedlot calves that are coughing. The health and welfare of calves and feedlots are very, very carefully monitored by facility staff working under the guidance of their veterinarian. When a calf is noticed to be depressed, not eating or coughing, it's moved to a facility where it can be carefully assessed, diagnosed, and if necessary, treated for disease. When appropriate, Laboratory samples are collected and sent to a veterinary diagnostic lab to determine what the specific bacteria or viruses are that are causing the problem, and also to figure out whether or not any of the bacteria involved with the disease process are actually resistant to antibiotics. So are there antibiotics that are not going to work in a particular case? One of the samples we often collect is something called a deep nasopharyngeal swab. 
This is very similar to what you would see from COVID diagnosis in people right now, although the swabs used in cattle are quite a bit bigger. The diagnostic information that comes back from the lab can help us ensure that we're using the most appropriate and the most effective antibiotics to treat and control disease in these animals and to provide recommendations as well on what vaccine programs we should be using, not just in the feedlot, but also in the cow-calf herds where these animals are actually coming from. I understand that you're leading an exciting research project currently in feedlots in Western Canada that may really change the way we diagnose respiratory diseases in feedlot cattle. Could you tell us a bit about this project and why it's important? Our project, Genomic Assets for Livestock, will help veterinarians better manage respiratory disease in feedlot cattle. The challenge with collecting samples right now is that it can take as much as five to seven days from the time the sample is collected before results come back to the veterinarian from the lab. We need information much more quickly than this to identify the best antibiotic to treat an individual sick animal. This project is focused on identifying new diagnostic tools as well as sampling strategies that will help provide much more timely evidence to inform disease management. Genomic Assets is sponsored by Genome Canada, the provinces of Saskatchewan and Alberta, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, and the Canadian cattle industry. It involves a partnership between the University of Saskatchewan, the University of Alberta, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, and Prairie Diagnostic Services. We are developing two different types of tools that look for DNA evidence of the organisms and the potential for antimicrobial resistance in these samples. The genomic tools will be used to test nasal swabs collected from a sample of calves from each pen shortly after they arrive at the feedlot to provide some initial information in terms of what is happening in the pen as well as collecting samples from individual sick calves. With this combined information, we will be better able to rapidly identify exactly what bacteria and potentially viruses are circulating in a group of calves. And with that information, the most appropriate antibiotics to treat those calves that might become sick after they arrive at the feedlot. So I think it might be helpful here to have a bit more definition around the term genomics. Could you give us some more background on that word? What exactly are the genomic tools that you'll be using to speed up the diagnostic process? Genomics tools in this context help us to identify either DNA, or if we expand into more viral work, RNA specific to each type of organism, whether that be bacteria or viruses. In some cases, the tools also provide us with evidence of how pathogenic a particular organism might be and which antibiotics, in the case of bacteria, are least likely to work because we've identified antibiotic resistance genes. The first genomic test we are looking at will evaluate sequences to identify any bacteria or virus that's present in the sample, as well as these antimicrobial resistance genes. This is very different from testing currently being done for COVID, where we're 
very much focused on just finding out whether or not that specific virus is in the sample. The second test we are looking at is actually more like the COVID test, where we're looking for small specific sequences of DNA from a sample to help us identify specific types of bacteria that are most likely to cause serious disease, including those that might be anti or might be resistant to specific antibiotics. Both of the tools that we're looking at are considerably faster than the current process of culture and sensitivity. But very interestingly, both of these can also potentially be used outside of regional veterinary diagnostic laboratories and closer to the point of care. What this will do is if we can develop protocols that can be used effectively in the field, we'll minimize the time that we're currently use, losing to transport these samples to, from the field to the laboratory. So then it seems that one of the main benefits with this type of diagnostic tool would be that veterinarians should be able to more quickly diagnose the specific bacteria or virus that are causing an infection, and then to select the treatment that will have the greatest likelihood of success in treating a herd level respiratory outbreak. How is it then that these genomic diagnostic tools help to minimize antimicrobial resistance? These tools will help us identify the antibiotics that are unlikely to work due to the presence of antibiotic resistance genes in these samples. If we use antibiotics that don't work because the bacteria are already resistant, we actually promote the development and the spread of these resistant organisms. With this additional evidence, we'll be able to better choose the right drug to treat infections and help us focus on getting the right dose at the right time in the right animals so we can better manage the risk of actually selecting for these antimicrobial resistant organisms and reduce the threat of antimicrobial resistance. So what barriers exist with this type of diagnostic testing for producers currently? The biggest barriers at this time are how long it takes from sample collection to getting the results back from the lab, as I mentioned earlier, and also the cost per test, where we have to test individual animals. Those costs include the laboratory fees, the fees for somebody to collect the sample and the time and difficulty of collecting the sample, and just the cost of the sample collection equipment if we need to collect samples from each individual sick animal. With our project, we're hoping to develop testing protocols where we can get timely and cost-effective information to inform best practices for treatment and control where we have information before the first animals start to get sick in these pens after they arrive at the feedlot. And so we don't have to wait for that first animal to get sick and the results from that first animal to have better information in terms of how to manage disease. So I'm sure there's many veterinarians and beef producers out there who can't wait to see the results from this work and to get involved. I'd like to know what you're looking forward to most, just as you get started with this research. Is there anything that you're really hoping to discover? We are hoping to identify a practical and dynamic set of risk assessment tools that will give veterinarians timely and affordable evidence 
to inform antimicrobial use and to give better vaccine recommendations for the control of bovine respiratory disease. If these tools work well, they should also be adaptable enough to be applied with some minimal additional work to other important infectious diseases in livestock. Thanks very much, Dr. Waldner. This sounds really quite interesting, and I'm excited uh, I'm excited for you to get started and to find out more about this. So thanks for providing some insight into this world of genomic diagnostics for us. It sounds like there's certainly a lot of potential with t- this type of diagnostic testing to really tailor antimicrobial treatments and to ultimately improve feedlot calf health. That's it for this episode of Animal Health Insights. If you're interested to learn more about Dr. Waldner's work, we've provided some links on our website at www.cahss.ca. In our next episode, we'll be planning to learn a bit more about the concept of social distancing for animals. We'll be speaking to a veterinarian and to an agricultural engineer who specializes in livestock housing to learn how barn design and ventilation retrofits can help to improve respiratory health of ruminants. There should be some interesting points for consideration, so I'll talk to you then. Once again, I'd like to thank the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System for their support of the Animal Health Insights podcast. CAS is an initiative of the National Farmed Animal Health and Welfare Council, and it has broad-based support from both livestock sectors and from government. CAS brings together data and information from across Canada in order to demonstrate animal health and to guide planning on national animal health priorities. Effective disease surveillance can demonstrate the health of our animals, and it enables prompt action to minimize the negative impacts of disease. Funding is provided through the Agri-Assurance Program under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a federal, provincial, territorial initiative.